0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Bureau Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, friends. Well, today is... Drumroll... Trinity Sunday, woo, let's hear it for Trinity Sunday. You may not know this, actually. Um, How could you know it unless you were a church nerd like me? But all churches in the country are named after feast days. So, for example, if you belong to St. John's Church, then your feast of title is the Feast of St. John. Or if your church is, uh, here's a trick one for you. What if your church is the Church of the Incarnation? What's your feast of title? Christmas, what if your church is the Church of the Resurrection? What's your Feast of Title? Easter, what if your church is St. Mary? Your Feast of Title is St. Mary. So point being that today is our Feast of Title. Trinity Sunday is recognized today and prayed for by Christians throughout the world. And I'll confess something to you, um, that um, there's an unspoken church rule that I actually ordinarily follow, and that is on Trinity Sunday... uh, I usually punt. <laughs> I usually punt to somebody else, whether it's Father Gritter, who's not here conveniently this weekend, or Father Switz preached last night. Um, the reason I say that is because on Trinity Sunday, I mean, what do you say? I mean, we're talking about God. Not, God, not what he does for you and not what he does for the world and not what we do for the world. It's purely about God's nature, which is a mystery, God is three in one, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons in one God. What do you do with that? I mean, how do you preach it? You really can't. You really can't. Anything that I say today, and I'm going to say a few things, it'll kind of almost cross the line, anything you say, well-intentioned or not, to explain the Trinity too much actually inevitably falls into heresy. Let me give you an example. St. Patrick. You've heard of St. Patrick, right? The Irishman who loved Guinness. St. <laughs> Patrick, you might not know. St. Patrick was actually a Roman soldier in the Roman army, went to Ireland, the land of ire. was a priest, later a bishop, and he was preaching the doctrine of the Trinity to these um, Celtic uh, non-believers who were basically nature worshipers, right? And what he did is he picked up off off the ground, he picked up a shamrock. This is why the Irish love shamrocks. St. Patrick used a shamrock, a three-leafed clover, to illustrate the doctrine of the Trinity, right? Three leaves, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, great idea, Patrick. Heresy. You know why? You know why? Why? Because a... a, uh, three-leaf clover is one leaf, right? They're not distinct. Do you see my point? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three distinct persons of one God. You can't possibly explain it without in some way accidentally uh, moving into territory which is not accurate. So I'm not going to get into that too much today. It's a mystery. We'll talk about the Trinity a little bit. But what I want to really get into today are three points that are maybe more Uh, Still kind of heady, but maybe more practical. And that's three things today. Trinity, get it? Three points. You guys awake? I'll just stop now. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, How do we we know about the Trinity, point one? How do we know about it? What does the Trinity do? And then finally, what does it mean? So what, right? So how do we know about this Trinity idea? Where does that come from? Uh, What do the persons of the Trinity do? And then what does it mean? So, first thing is, how do we, point one is, how do we even know about this Trinity stuff? Where'd this come from? Well, let me just back up a second and make an obvious point, but it's an, a good one. Um, there are, there are in, when it comes to figuring things out about God, there's only two ways you can do it, right? And they're usually, refer, usually referred to as natural or revealed religion. Stay with me. There's two ways. So, for example, natural religion, meaning this, and it's pretty simple. That if you walk outside, and you look at the stars, and you look at tadpoles, and quarks, and, you know, your kid's fingers, and you see structure, and order, and creation, all human cultures, all human beings, for that matter, will say to themselves, there's got to be more to this. Right? That's called natural religion, meaning any human being, including you and me, you can walk on the beach, you can go for a cold beer at at Walking Tree and enjoy it, you can be listening to some music, you can be studying quarks, whatever it is. You look at the natural order, you take in the natural world, and you say to yourself, there's got to be more to it than just physical. Is that clear? That's called natural, by nature religion. And in fact, Paul, St. Paul, says this in Romans chapter 1. That all people look at the created order and they know that God exists. They know it intrinsically. Every human culture, every human being looks at the created order and knows in their heart, according to Paul, that God is real. This strident, illogical religion called atheism, which is prominent today in some circles, is nonsense and easily refutable Even Stephen Hawking, at the end of his life, began to get an inkling that there's something more to the universe than just pure physicality. You with me? Is that clear, everybody? That's natural religion. But there's more to it than that. See, natural religion, this is actually important for me when I was in graduate school, teaching scientific method. When you teach science, you teach empiricism, you are teaching that things have order. That's what science is all about, discovering order in creation. Well, if you're going to have order in creation, there must be an order There must be, logically. Otherwise, you're just studying chaos and making it up in your head. Nonsense. Scientific method requires there to be a god, requires there to be something beneath the physicality of the natural world. But that won't get you to Christianity. Christianity, by contrast, is a That's natural religion. Christianity is revealed religion. What does that mean? Well, it means that God, we can speculate about God all we want. We can look at the sky and see the stars and go, man, there's something bigger than me. But to know God truly, he has to tell us about himself. I'll give you an example. Let me illustrate the difference between natural observation and revealed religion. Let me tell you an illustration about that with a girl that I met once at a party. Did I wake you up? It was actually a party when I was at Penn State. I was a senior at Penn State. I walked into a party actually in my own apartment. I did not know it was occurring. My roommate, Sean, had planned it. It was during the afternoon. And it was raining like today, and everybody kind of gathered, 30 or 40 people in my little apartment on College Avenue right downtown. And of course, where two or three are gathered, it's a party. So I walk in. And there's always people around and there was this girl there. I thought, hmm, I don't know her. She was really cute. She was friendly. She was talking to everybody. People were gravitating to her, toward her. And I mentioned she's cute, right? So I see her and then she's wearing she had this bright pink ski jacket. I mean bright pink, fluorescent pink ski jacket. And I was completely intrigued, I'll tell you. So I asked my friend Sean, my roommate, I said, hey, Sean, who's that? Who's that girl in the pink jacket? I'd never seen her before. And he said, well, her name is Kathy Faulkner. I said, oh, well, tell me about her, what do you know? And he said, well, she's a swimmer, almost went to the Olympics when she was in high school. She's a year behind us, she was a junior, and she's friends with, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, I know those people, okay. I said, okay, so what did I do? I had some information from second hand I, uh, I observed this person, how she acted. I went up to her and I introduced myself. Said, hey, my name is Chris Rodriguez. What's your name? And, you know, this is one of those slam dunk pickup lines. The pink jacket was great, right? Because it's just like an easy one. Hey, I love your pink jacket. And off we go. So she starts to tell me about herself. that she, the, thing, the music she liked, the uh, people she knew, that she grew up in Havertown not too far from where I was what she hoped to study, and eventually she revealed to me the most important thing, which was her phone number. <laughs> and, but I want you to see something. It's, it, it's obvious if you think about it. I mean, obviously I'm married to her now, um, and we can't find that pink jacket anywhere, which is really a drag. But um, the, point, the point I want you to see here, it's pretty obvious when you stop and think about it. You can look at somebody, you can look at God and observe, you can look at a person and observe, but it's not until you actually that person tells you about themself that you really know them for sure. You with me? So the way we know God, the way we know God, the way we know people or God, is he has to reveal himself to us. He's got to tell us about himself. And that's exactly what the Bible does. This book right here is God's telling us about us and about him and about his nature. Where we came from, what we were made for, that Jesus died for us, his plan and it tells us about God, who he is, that God exists, that there is one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Why do we believe this doctrine of of God? Because God tells us about himself in scripture. That's my first point. My second point, which is pretty brief because there's not much you can say, is what do these persons of the Trinity do? Do you know a good definition for personality? You ever stop and think about this? Maybe I think about stuff too much, but a good definition of personality from my grad school days a personality is the definition of personality is a tendency to respond. Simple. So somebody tends to be quiet, we call that person, they have a quiet personality. Somebody who's loud and obnoxious, outgoing, right? Somebody who is bookish, or not, whatever. A personality is a tendency to respond. Meaning that we, we tend to respond in certain ways, one way or the other. Think of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as personalities of God. So for example, God the Father, what does he do? Well, God the Father, he creates. He's the creator God. But he also creates along with God the Son, with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Go back to Genesis chapter one, the first sentence in the Bible, and it, or the first chapter, uh, chapters of the Bible, and God says that God says, "Come, chapter two, come, let us make man in our image." You see the Trinity right in Genesis chapter two. But the key thing is that God the Father creates, but He creates with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, what about the Son, Jesus? What does He do? Well. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. What does he do? What's his personality, his tendency to respond? Well, Jesus Jesus saves. He redeems. He restores. The the Hebrew name, we say Jesus, but the Hebrew word is the word Yeshua. Joshua. It's all the same word. The Hebrew name Yeshua is Jesus' name in Hebrew. And the name Jesus, Yeshua, means God saves. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is God from all eternity who became a man who took on human flesh, was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and made man. We say in the Creed, he comes to earth, to die for our sins, to die for my sins and yours, to pay your debt and to restore you to a right relationship with the Father. Jesus' death redeems you and me. Thanks be to God. That's what he does. Jesus saves. Finally, the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Well, this is a little tricky. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is, uh, is with us now. He, is, he sustains. He enables. He comforts. He's kind of, the Holy Spirit is kind of like The force in Star Wars. Kind of, except that the Holy Spirit actually has intention and will. The Holy Spirit is the thing behind the created order, the thing that orders all things, the things that allows the gospel to be understood. Here's an example, a practical one. Have you ever been sitting in this room and heard me or another person preaching to you and something just walloped you? You said, Father, you were speaking right to me. I wasn't. I mean, I was, but there's another person involved here between me and you, and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what opens up your heart and makes me say things that go to your heart that make you go, man, that just, you said exactly what I needed to hear. I did? Well, thanks be to God. The Holy Spirit, friends, is the agency, the, the part of God that is between me and you that enables the gospel to make sense, that encourages, strengthens you. He's the comforter. He's the advocate. He is the strength and force behind the church, which Jesus says even the gates of hell will not prevail against. So God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit—think of it like personalities, but they're distinct. So keep that in mind too. It's a mystery. The final point, and this is I think maybe the most well, simplest and most profound: is so what. <laughs> it's all very interesting, right? And if you're going to worship God, you should know what you're worshiping, right? There is, there is only one God, and they are not all the same. Anybody who, says to me, anybody who says to you, we all believe in the same God is wrong, unless they're a Christian, because God reveals himself in Scripture as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Nobody else believes that but us, friends, right? If you're a Muslim, you believe in Allah. Is there the Holy Spirit and Jesus in there? Nope. Is it the same God? No, it isn't. Just remember that. But what does it mean for you? What does it mean? Well, remember what I said to you a minute ago, that God created us, mankind, in his image. I want you to think about that for a second. It's a very, very profound thing. He, God, is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God's very nature is, we are created in his nature, and listen to this, God's very nature, listen, is relational. You're made in his image, and God's nature is relational. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The three persons of the Trinity bound together with one another in love. Let me turn that around and ask you an obvious question. What is it that makes you happy? What is it that makes you happy? Is it big cars? Eh, Maybe for a little while. (laughs) New guitars, yeah, for a little while. But what actually gives you joy? What actually gives you peace? What actually makes you go, man, I couldn't be in a better spot right now. I'm just, I'm good. What is it? What is that elusive thing that makes you joyful and happy and at peace? You know what it is? It's a relationship. It's love. Why? (laughs) Because you are made in God's image. You were made in God's image, and God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is relational. These are relational terms. Friends, don't you see that you are made in his image? You are made, you and I are made for relationships with God first and foremost, and with those around us. That is the nature of what it means to be the church. Trinity Church, that's you. We are called to live like God lives. We are called to exist like God exists. As individuals, yep, Distinct, different, with different personalities, different strengths, and different weaknesses. But united together in a common will and a common mind in a relationship. Just like the God that we worship. Just like the God in whose image you're made. Friends, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25, this is so profound. That we are members one of another. We are members one of another. We are, in some sense, related to each other as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as people of a parish named after the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are called to live like God lives, in relationship with him and in relationship with one another, to reflect the God that we worship, to reflect the God whose nature we are created, and to live as this church, up to our name, Trinity Church, made in his image, made for relationship with him and with each other. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you and we stand in awe of you in your nature today on this Trinity Sunday, the three in one. Teach us, Father, to be united in love with a common mind and a common mission through the power of your Holy Spirit and thanksgiving to Jesus Christ who died to save us. All this we ask in the name of the blessed and glorious Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at Trinityviro.org and follow us on Facebook.